We need to have the vision that God wants for us. Our vision comes from the Bible, where God commands us to reach the world with the gospel. So this means winning people to Jesus and then teaching them the doctrines of the Bible to help them to be strong in Christ. Doing what God tells us to do makes us happy. That's what we just saw from Proverbs 29, verse 18. Well, I'd like to ask if you would open your Bible, please, to the book of Proverbs. Find Proverbs chapter number 29. Proverbs 29. For the last number of weeks, I've been preaching revival truths. Why have I been preaching revival truths? It's because churches need revival. We don't need revival once a year or twice a year. We need to be living in a constant state of revival. We're actually going to look at a couple of churches as it concerns revival near the end of this message. But it's very important. COVID has killed a bunch of churches. The devil has used COVID to knock the legs out from a number of churches. A lot of churches got affected. Our church got affected by COVID. There was a long period of time where we weren't allowed to assemble like this. And then we had to wear masks when we, we assembled. At one point, we weren't allowed to sing, remember, because that sort of transmits a bit more of the potential hazard. COVID is still out there happening in the world, and there are places where it's, it's getting rampant. And so, I, I believe that the need is upon us now, not tomorrow, but now, for us to look into the Bible in a revival kind of way. We must not let the devil win. We have lost a little bit of momentum because of COVID. We have to get that back, folks. Our job is not to coast until Jesus comes. Our job is to career on until Jesus comes. And so we've been talking about revival truths for the last few Wednesday nights. This year, our emphasis, our push is on upgrading. And we've been looking at different ways to upgrade. This coming Sunday, I'm talking about upgrading our faith for Jesus. Each month of this year, on the first Sunday of each month, my plan is to bring a message on upgrading, some different area aspect of upgrading. So that's what I'll be doing this Sunday. But as you know, we've had Sacrifice Sunday, the offering. We aim for 40,000, and I actually believe we're closer to 39,000. Praise the Lord. It hasn't all come in yet, so we need to keep praying that it'll all come in so that we can do these important upgrades here at the church. Why? So that we can serve the Lord. So we can serve the Lord. Why do we need to upgrade um, our facilities? Why? It's a tool by which we serve the Lord. It's a tool. Um, the chairs, for example, are going to allow us to be able to see more people come to the house of the Lord. That's good because we'll get more people under the preaching of the Word of God and the Gospel and the teachings and the doctrines. And that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's going to have a wonderful spillover effect. 
And so we want to be able to see more people come. Praise the Lord, the last two Sundays we've seen over 200 in the Sunday morning services. Pray for this coming Sunday that we would see over 200 in the service. There's no magical formula about 200. There's nothing except the fact that it represents 200 wonderful souls, 200 people. It's important that we keep growing. The church that Jesus built, he said, I will build my church. He's always building his church. And for a church, any church, this church, to become stagnant, we're going to continue to dwindle and we'll get smaller and smaller and we'll be less and less effective. Praise the Lord for the wonderful things that God has enabled us to do. Hallelujah! But that's victories from yesterday. We need to see new victories. We need to see new growth and new blessings. So we're talking about upgrading. We need to upgrade not just our facilities. We need to upgrade our lives for the Lord Jesus. And so that's what I've been preaching on. Now one of our upgrades actually concerns Wednesday nights. Starting one week tonight, we have a kids class, ages 5 to 12. We've done a little survey and we found out that there are a number of families that would come on Wednesday if there was something for the children. Well, so far, we've been out of luck. Nothing for the, the children. We've got a teen class and then we've got an adult class. Nothing for the children. One week tonight. Pastor Devian and Mrs. Esther are going to head up this ministry. and They've got a nice curriculum with some games and things for the children and Bible stories for them. And one week tonight, we're going to have a guest speaker, one of our missionaries, veteran missionary, Brother Wa from Quebec. He's going to be here. If you've never heard him preach, you're in for a treat. This guy has got a very melodious voice and a wonderful sense of humor. And he's very smart, very intelligent, how he brings forth the Word of God and makes the truths very real. So you're in for a treat. He is uh, vacationing out here on the coast, and he asked me, can I be with your, you and your people on Wednesday night? I said, yes, <laughs> come. So one week tonight, Brother Wah is going to be here. Then the following week, we've got Brother Carl Galindez, the missionary we sent out from this church up to Porcupine Plain. He's going to be here on the 12th of April. All the while, we've got a teen class, we've got a children's class, and I really want to encourage you to invite you know, fellow members to come on Wednesday nights. We're, uh, we're in for a brand new chapter. We're turning the page. It's a new day for midweek service. We have something for everyone. Then on the 19th of April, uh, we are going to begin two separate Bible classes. And uh, you'll be able to join one or the other. And uh, we're going to hold them both in the auditorium. We tried holding uh, two classes in the auditorium once before, a couple of years ago. But we found it didn't work. And it didn't work because one was overpowering the other because of the uh, uh, amplification system. There'll be no amplification. Now, when we start these classes, we're not able to broadcast. And so our Wednesday broadcasts will end after the 12th. So you can come, and then for 13 weeks, you'll have one class. When that's over, then you can switch over to the other class. 
and for 13 weeks enjoy that class. Meanwhile, the children will be well looked after week after week, as will the teens. There's something for everyone. This is a wonderful upgrade for us, and I think it's very timely. I'm not a, a prophet by any stretch, but I do believe that this year, 2023, is going to be a critical year for many churches, ours included. We need to press on. We need to get a vision. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Do you have your Bible open at Proverbs chapter number 29? Yes? If you do, would you stand to your feet? And together, we're going to read one verse, after which you may be seated. One verse. Proverbs 29, verse number 18. Would you read that out loud with me now? Here we go. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, last Wednesday, we talked about a blind man. Do you remember that? What was the blind man's name? Do you remember? Starts with the letter B. Bartimaeus. That's right. Blind Bartimaeus. He was blind physically. That's bad enough. But he was not blind in other ways. He was not opportunity blind. Remember, that was one of our points we dealt with. Some people are opportunity blind. Opportunity comes and slaps them in the face and they're they're just blind to it. Uh, What are you? Who are you? Opportunity. Jesus was coming through the town. Bartimaeus heard the commotion. He asked what it was about. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd said, hush, hush, hush. We don't need that kind of fanaticism. We don't need that kind of, if you want to do anything, just yell, hooray, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. But don't, don't call upon Jesus to stop what he's doing and, and come and talk to you. Blind Bartimaeus was not opportunity blind. He knew this was his opportunity and he knew this was his last opportunity. You know, Jesus of Nazareth never did come through that town ever again after this. And he kept, he wouldn't shut up. He kept calling and finally Jesus had come. They brought him and Jesus said, what would you like? Oh Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus granted his request. And he joined in the crowd and followed the Lord Jesus. Whatever happened to blind Bartimaeus, we don't know after that. We trust that uh, he was born again because his expression, Jesus, thou son of David, the son of David was the Messiah. And here Bartimaeus was recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah. That means the Christ. So that's very, very important. So very likely... Bartimaeus got saved. We talked about other types of blindness last Wednesday. We talked about people, of course, who are colorblind and that sort of thing. But we talked about people who are family blind. They've been blessed with a family, but they, they can't see the blessing. They treat their family like dirt. Don't, don't make that mistake. We have people also that are spiritually blind. And... They can't see their need for the Savior. They think upon themselves as a pretty good person. Are you a good person? Yes, I think I'm a good person. 
Do you think you would ever go to hell? No, not me. God would never put a, a good person like me in hell. And they are spiritually blind to the truth that all have sinned. All of us. Some of us may have sinned greater than others of us, but we've all sinned. The illustration, I'm in a car driving, you're in a car driving. The speed limit says 60 kilometers, but you're going 65 kilometers. Me, I'm going 95 kilometers. Now, which one of us was speeding? And the answer is what? Both. We're both speeding. It's just, I happen to be speeding more than you're speeding. The same with sin. Which one of us are sinners? Both. We're all sinners. It's just, some of us are sinning more than others of us. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That means to be separated from God in a place called hell. That's spiritual blindness when you can't see that. The soul that will cry out to Jesus, Help me, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm broken. I need to be fixed. Save me. I don't want to go to hell. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to do something beautiful with my life. I want you to come in now. Open. I'm opening my heart's door, Lord Jesus. You come in. Come into my life. When you do that, you're born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And some people can't see how blind they are spiritually. And this has to do with our subject tonight. And so we want to take this idea of vision one step further and talk about the vision that God wants us to see. Let's begin now with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, all of us are blind to something. There's some area that we're not seeing, or at least we're not seeing properly and clearly. So we admit to that, Father. But help us when it comes to getting the vision that you have for us. Please help us. We've read Proverbs 29:18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Help us to make an application. Holy Spirit, you be the teacher, the preacher tonight. Speak to our hearts. Help us to get the vision God wants us to have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I have to be honest with the Scripture. And if you look at it again, please, Proverbs 29 and verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. After the word perish, you have a, a colon, a dot over top of a dot. And you've heard me say this. <laughs> if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. It sets up an equation. Both has, halves of the equation they deal with the, essentially the same theme, but the, the second half gives you a little deeper understanding of the first half. The second half here talks about he that keepeth the law. That's talking about the Word of God. He that reads the Bible and obeys it, seeking to obey God, happy is he. And so we have these two halves of the verse. We have this vision, and we have obeying God. And the primary application of this verse in the Old Testament to the Old Testament saint, the Old Testament Jew, was obey the Torah, obey the Word of God, get the Word of God in you, you'll be happy. It's like having vision. 
like having vision. And it's very interesting how Solomon put it, where there is no vision, the people perish. I suggest to you that he's talking primarily about physical vision, physical eyesight. And I'd like to be able to prove that to you tonight. If all of a sudden, everyone in the whole world suddenly went completely blind. None of us could see. I clap my hands, and as soon as I clap my hands together, you all are blind. You cannot see. Everyone watching online, all of a sudden, you can't watch online. You are blind. That would be a traumatic thing. That would be scary. All of a sudden, we'd be We'd be voicing concern. What's going on? I'm, I'm blind. I'm blind. And we'd be hearing other people say the same thing. You're blind too? I'm blind. And we would soon discover that we're all blind. And our hearts would be racing. And we'd be thinking, what's going to happen? How am I even going to get home? What, what's going to happen to my life? We leave this building somehow. There's no one to drive us home. We hear noises out on the street maybe honking of horns, crashing of vehicles, because everyone has gone blind at the same time. And what Solomon is saying is that where there is no vision, the people perish. This is the primary meaning here. The truth is that we depend upon our eyesight. The truth is that if everyone suddenly went blind. All 8 billion people in the world were to go blind right away, we would die. We'd end up dying. Well, what about the blind people, the people that are actually blind? Well, they would be the experts, of course. People who have been blind for a number of years, they've learned how to cope and they've learned how to use other means by which to live life. However, Blind people are still dependent upon seeing people. I mean the seeing eye people. People who can see. Blind people are dependent upon people who can see. They get a lot of their services done by people who can see. Right? Imagine if a blind man went to go to visit his doctor and his doctor is blind. And his doctor says, I I hear you, you're in the room somewhere, where are you? Am I getting closer to you? What kind of doctor visit would that turn out to be? It's an interesting thought. If everyone suddenly went blind, people right now driving cars, driving motorcycles, driving buses, driving trains, flying in airplanes, uh, under the water, uh, in submarines, on top of the water, in ships, Everyone would crash. Millions of people the world over would die instantly. People living in very hot climates or very cold climates would die of the elements. There'd be no emergency 911 services to call. Every fire department in the world would stop functioning. There are no blind people who work on the fire trucks to go put out fires. There are none. Can you imagine what that would look like? The fire truck careening, you know, finding its way towards your house and the firemen get out and they're all groping trying to find your house. 
house would be burned down to cinders before they could uh, do anything. There are no blind people working in the fire departments like that, in that function. Those that would still be alive, yet blind, would suffer all kinds of life-threatening accidents. Diseased people could receive no medical help. Fires that are currently burning would burn out of control and consume entire cities. Hundreds of millions of people would perish. All the hospitals in the world would stop functioning. They'd shut down. Millions of people undergoing surgeries would quickly die because there's no one to be able to see what they're doing, to treat the wounds and close up the sutures. Sick people would wander and would spread their disease. If everyone suddenly went blind, all the farms and the food processing manufacturers would stop overnight, instantly. People would eventually starve while others would fight and kill for what food they could find. People who owned guns would be quick to shoot anyone who came near them. There'd be no police. There'd be no military to help us. Fear and panic would grip men's hearts. If everyone all over the world went blind, governments would instantly fall apart. Mayhem would break out in every jail and prison around the world. We'd have no way of defending ourselves against animal attacks. Fear and suicide would drive billions of people to the jaws of death. Now, according to the World Health Organization, there are 40 to 50 million people in the world today who are 100% blind. That's, give or take, one half of 1% of the world's population. But as I said, these 40 or 50 million people would, would suddenly be the world's leading experts on how to survive because they've had to survive as blind people. They would be able to do things that we couldn't do because we're not experienced and trained like they are. However, they also would end up dying. Jesus said in Matthew 15 that if the blind lead the blind, they both end up where? In the, in the ditch. When the blind leads the blind. And so where there is no vision... The people perish. Isn't that right? Can we see it now? <laughs> Pardon the pun. Yeah, we can see it. If all of a sudden 8 billion people went 100% blind, pretty much we're all going to die. There'd be very, very few people left to live. The ones who die, you know what happens to human bodies when they're left out in the open? All of the cholera and all of the disease and all that stuff. That's why we have to bury bodies. When there's tornadoes, when there's tsunamis and people die, those bodies have to be buried or dealt with. Otherwise, cholera is going to set in and diseases and a lot more people are going to die. Where there is no vision, what's going to happen? People are going to perish. Now the other side of that verse, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Meaning that people who don't obey the Bible, who don't seek to please God, they're not going to be happy. They're going to end up perishing. See? When you have physical vision, you have something, oh, what a gift of God. Old Darwin, you know, he figured that he had the answer. 
He said, well, we all just evolved from worms. We evolved from fish. We evolved from monkeys. And uh, look, you know, some grew wings, some had feathers, some had scales. They all just evolved. They evolved. And he figured he had an answer for just about everything. But when he came to study the eye and the ability to see, he said, I have no answer. I have no answer on how that could ever happen. By the way, Darwin wasn't the first one to come up with this idea of the, the evolution. There were guys before him, like 50 or more years before him, who came out with these very same things. Darwin somehow just got all the credit for it. But Darwin, when he considered the eyeball, be it in a human or in an animal, he had no idea how that could have evolved. And the truth is, it didn't evolve. It's a gift of God. It's an invention of God. The human eye is beyond understanding. It's so amazing. If you're able to see, you've got a wonderful, wonderful gift of God. Say, oh, woe is me, I only have one eye. <laughs> you can still see. How would you like to live with no eyes? Hmm? Man who said, I've got no shoes. Pity me, I've got no shoes. And he was so unhappy until he one day met a man with no feet. And then he realized, oh, maybe it's not that bad. Some of us have to wear eyeglasses because we can't see things afar off or we can't see things close. So we need corrective eye lenses. It's better than being 100% blind, right? If you have vision, happy are you. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Solomon compared the experience of eyesight with the experience of being obedient to God's Word. So the first half of the verse in Proverbs 29.18, okay, we're now able to make a legitimate application to other things using this verse. And one of those legitimate applications is another kind of vision. It's a kind of vision that you really don't need physical eyeballs for. It's the overall vision that God has given our church. That overall vision can be found several times in the Gospels. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's our vision, folks. That's the vision God wants us to have. That's the vision the devil wants us to lose. Throughout COVID, some churches lost their vision. Over the, the, the years of, of this 21st century, some churches have lost that vision. Sometimes it's been the older generation that's had the vision, but they've died out and some younger generation has come along that doesn't have the vision. Back in the days of the patriarch Isaac, when he went down to Egypt, the king there, Pharaoh, recognized the greatness of Jacob, gave him land to live in, grow his family, and they herded sheep, and everything was great. And Joseph, Jacob's son, was the prime minister. And for a couple of hundred years, you know, they all honored Joseph. But then one day there arose a new Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And that's when the trouble began. That's what happens in churches. 
We don't want that to happen to our church. The devil wants that to happen to our church. Now, we do pray for other churches and we encourage them the best we can. But we have enough trouble just looking after ourselves. Our full-time job, it seems, is to stay on the straight and narrow that God wants us to be on. Every church has the same challenge. We need to be constantly aware of the vision God has for us. You can't just have this vision once a year when we deal with missions in November. We have a vision for the, the harvest. You know That's great, but we need that same vision in January. It's like Mother's Day. We honor the mothers and we hug them and kiss them. Mom, I love you. But what happens the next day? What happens after the, that month of May is over? We, we get into June. We get into July. We forget about mom. You see, that's the problem. We need to honor mom a lot more often than just one day a year. Agreed? Amen? Anyone? Come on now. Amen? Sure. And we need to have the vision that God wants us to have every day of the year. That's why he left us on earth. When you got saved, you could have gone to heaven. God left you here to be part of a church family with vision. God's vision. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. We need to have the vision that God wants for us. Our vision comes from the Bible, where God commands us to reach the world with the gospel. So this means winning people to Jesus and then teaching them the doctrines of the Bible to help them to be strong in Christ. Doing what God tells us to do makes us happy. That's what we just saw from Proverbs 29, verse 18. Life becomes full. Life becomes rich. I'll tell you, we accomplish God's vision for our church through several means. How do we accomplish this vision of reaching the world with the gospel? Well, our regular Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday services, that's our, our base of operations. We have to have that. That's where we begin. Ground zero, you might call it. These, these, these things, they make up our basis, our platform, if you will. But we have a worldwide missions program going on. You know it. We just voted on our 109th missionary. Don't think that we've reached the top. We haven't. God's been blessing us. We've just had a wonderful month of March. We've gone over the top again. We've seen missions giving go over the top. What does it mean? It means God's telling us the door's open. I'm going to send you more missionaries. I want you to take on the support, financial and prayer support, of more of my heroes, God says, and he'll send them to us. This year, there's no reason we can't grow to 115 missionaries. Who knows? Maybe 120. It's only limited by our faith in God. And so let's have big faith. Let's keep growing our faith. But our missions is one of our children, if you will. As a, as a church, we produce children. We'll call them ministries or children. And this ministry of missions is a marvelous child. Another ministry we have, of course, is soul winning. 
our local soul-winning program. COVID whacked us in the kneecaps. We weren't able to go door to door and see if people have an interest in spiritual things and offer them a Bible study. That's what we've been doing, and we saw some great victories. But we have continued putting gospel literature in the mailboxes. Praise the Lord for that. That's like a, um, a flyer brigade or a fire brigade, we sometimes call it. We got it written over on the board there. And those little gospel literature pieces we put in mailboxes, people open their mailbox, they take it, and they look at it, and if they're interested, they go online and they go and watch a video on how they can know God and how they can get their prayers answered. 1,245 people have watched videos because of those gospel literatures that we've put in mailboxes. Praise the Lord. But it's time for us to start getting back to talking with people. COVID is behind us enough that we can get back to that. And that's going to be our, our prayer and our emphasis, our design, our call. We've got people that used to be involved with our Saturday door knocking. We'd like to call those people to come back and get the training again for that. Very important that we don't lose our vision. Another one of our children, if you will, was our bus ministry. And we ran a bus and we would pick up children and bring them in to Super Church. And from that ministry, we have young people in our church today. They rode the bus as children. They got saved. And they're attending church today because of the bus ministry. We've changed their lives. We've changed their eternity. Wouldn't it be something if God called those young people from the bus ministry to serve him full time. Wouldn't that be a success story? We want to get back into the bus ministry. We're asking the Lord and we're waiting upon the Lord to open the right door for us. But we have the money set aside to buy a bus. I mean, we want to get that, that going again, and, and we can. But we have another child, our full-time Bible college. It's been running now 10 years, and we've been training servants for the harvest We've trained people who come for one course or two course. These, these are our children as a church. It's all part of the vision that God has for us to go into all the world and, and reach, reach them with the gospel. We must not lose that vision. And it's so easily done. So our church right now with its three wonderful ministries is the means that God is using to help fulfill his will with this vision. And as long as we have the vision to see and reach the harvest fields of the world, we will continue to joy and rejoice, just like it says in Proverbs 29:18. But the time may come, it may be years from now, but the time may come, and should the day ever come where we begin to lose our heavenly vision, my friends, that will be the time that we begin to perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And our church that once burned so brightly will burn very dimly till finally the light goes out. When we start to lose our vision of the mission fields of this world, when we start to lose our vision to save the lost, we begin to focus more on earthly comforts and what's in it for me 
we will quickly lose our walk of faith and we'll start walking by sight. And soon after our faith begins to die, we'll start to question if it's all worth it, all of the money and all of the effort that we put into these children of ours, these ministries. And soon we'll start laying off our workers and soon we'll start selling off our vision. Our vision of a bus ministry to get that going again, to reach children, will lay dead on the cutting room floor. We'll have committed the abortion of one of our children. Grace Baptist Church will have begun to perish. The cruel truth is that the abortionist will not be content with just one abortion. And why is that? Because the death of a vision will always mean the abortion of ministries. And this church, once so thrilled with the vision given to us by God, this church will become a spiritual abortion clinic. The ministry of worldwide missions will soon be called into question. And it will be made to stand with its head bowed before the judicial committee, a committee that will look for every possible reason to commit spiritual abortion. And before long, the committee will cry out, what further need have we of witnesses? And the bloodbath of mission, missionary abortion will begin. Missionaries will be dropped. Missionary support will be cut in half. And then later cut in half again. And then again until it's dead. All in the name of progress. All in the name of trying to save money. And as the vision dies, the people perish. The ministry of soul winning will no longer be cared for and fed. People won't be trained. People won't be encouraged to be part of soul winning. And this precious child of our church will one day die. And of course, the ministry of our Bible college will be pushed around the boardroom table and questioned and visionless perishing people will point out how that no one really wants to go to Bible college anymore. Because all of the young people got their eyes on big bucks and careers and big exciting worldwide things that the world can offer. No one goes to Bible college anymore. And with a stroke of our pen, our Bible college will die. Doors will be closed. The assets will be sold off or given away. Please, please don't let this happen to our spiritual children. Right now we are sitting in a sweet spot. We're in our zone, you might say. We're enjoying the fruits of Beulah land. God is pleased to bless our church. We're not the biggest church. We're not the richest church, but we're a wonderful church. We've got a great thing going. So please don't let the death of a vision be written on our tombstone. Over the last 2,000 years, students of church history have seen it happen over and over. Churches start good. They have prayer. They have soul winning. They have great meetings. They support missions. And then prayer declines. And then evangelism dies out. And then the meetings aren't so good anymore. And the church finally dies and closes its doors. You know, studies done recently in Canada estimate that by 2029... 9,000 churches will have closed their doors in Canada. 
9,000 of them. Hard to believe. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation. We're almost done here. So let's finish with the book of Revelation. Chapter. We'll go to chapter 2. In verse 1, we're introduced to a church in Ephesus. You know that in chapters 2 and 3, there are seven churches mentioned. And, you know, some of them are better than others. But they're all still churches. And the Lord calls them His own. Even that one of Laodicea. <laughs> that one sends shivers up our spines. But it was still a church. Just barely, but it was still a church. But in chapter 2, number verse 1, it talks about the church in Ephesus. And this church had a lot of good things going for it. It was a good church, but it was beginning to die. You say, how's that? Well, you can see it in verses 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. That means Jesus. That means the people at Ephesus weren't as in love with Jesus as they once were. You know that happens to Christians all the time. They get saved. They love Jesus. They're so excited to be saved. They love Jesus. They, they can hardly wait for Sunday. They love singing the, the great hymns of Zion. They love fellowshipping with God's people. Oh, they come away saying, wasn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today? But after a number of months or a few years, things have changed now. It's a little bit ho-hum. It's a little bit business as usual. Whereas in the beginning, how was church? Oh, let me tell you about it. Boy, it was great. Now, how was church? Well, all right, I guess. You know, same as always. Things changed. What changed? Their love for Jesus cooled off. That's what started happening in the church of Ephesus. In verse number 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. These are revival truths in verse 5. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That's the death of the church. So the church was just starting to die. And the Lord Jesus, right then and there, gave him warning. as you need to do this. Otherwise, the day's going to come. We'll be holding your funeral. Now turn to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis. So here's another church in another city. These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Well, this church, it wasn't just beginning to die. This one died. Jesus said, you got a name that says you're living. The living church. That's what it says on the sign outside your front door. The living church of Sardis. You have a name that says you're living. But you open the inside, you're dead. You folks are dead. 
You know what? Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's our application here. Can you see the vision that God has for you and for me? Can you see the vision that God has given to our church? If someone were to stop you on the street and ask you, what is the vision of your church? What is the mission of your church? How would you answer them? What would you say? Well, uh, uh, what would you say? The vision is to win souls for Christ and establish them in the truth. That's the vision. And where there is no vision, the people perish. For 23 and a half years now, we've seen growth. We've seen blessing. We've seen victory in Jesus. We've seen people saved. We've seen them baptized. We've seen them added to the church. We've seen them active, serving the Lord. We've seen them in Bible college. We've commissioned them. They're serving God in full-time ministries. Would you ever want to see that stop? Would you ever want to see our church die? I, for one, would not. Last Wednesday, we spoke on this subject, Open mine eyes, Lord. Tonight, give me a vision, Lord. I guess you have to have your eyes open before you can see the vision, I suppose. Dear church, your spiritual children need you. As a church family, it's like you're the parents. The children are your ministries. Don't give up on the missions. Don't ever stop until Jesus calls you home. Don't ever stop supporting missions. Don't ever stop supporting the Bible college and praying for it. Don't ever stop being involved with soul winning somehow. Don't ever stop supporting your local church. Let's keep the vision. Let's keep the fires hot. Can we do that? Because if we don't, who will? Pray with me. Our Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.